There is one job. Let's see the puck. No puck. Face to face. Direct commission. Deep pocket. Underworld? All I know is no chain code. Do you want the chit or not? Grief Karga said you were coming. What else did he say? He said you were the best in the Parsec. one chooses to walk the way of the Mandalore, you are both hunter and prey. How can one be a coward if one chooses this way of life? Have you ever removed your helmet? No. Has it ever been removed by others? Never. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Greetings, OND listeners. This is John, the Master Control Program, coming to you live once again from the Edit Suite. This week, we have part two of our discussion with Jake and Tom from Jake and Tom Conquer the World of our Mandalorian slash Star Wars wrap-up. So, without further ado, I hope you enjoy the thrilling conclusion of our two-part crossover episode. All right, uh, Ro, please lead us into Chapter 15, The Believer. Okay, this this episode was both really cool for me, but I did have a major gripe cinematography-wise. Um, again, this was another episode where the cinematography was excellent in it. You've got these giant trucks that are making this gauntlet run, trying to get this, um, we'll call it, whatever the mineral is, adamantium or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> the MacGuffin of the yeah, episode. Yeah, the MacGuffin of the episode. Oh, shit, uh- Blow shit up, yum. Yeah, blow shit up, yum. That's a great way to call it that. So, um, But don't drive too fast or else it'll explode like a reverse from speed. Exactly, yes, yes. And we've been great if Keanu Reeves, if the truck goes over 40 miles an hour, it'll explode. But anyways, <laughs> God, it sounded like bad Donald Trump and not Keanu Reeves. But anyways, um, I like the fact that they brought that one character back. Um, that character... Mayfield. Yes. Mayfield. Um, uh, Bill Burr. Bill Burr. Um, I ha- I've, I'm told he's a stand-up comedian. I have never seen his stand-up comedy, and I now don't want to see it because I don't want to, that to impact my view of his character. I know that's petty. Oh, you got you to gotta watch F- okay. this for family. So, um, but I like how they brought that character back. I love the fact that that character, again, this says so much about the show, is that character had such a development arc in just this one episode. Like, you really got... Because the last time we saw him was on the prison thing or whatever. And then we see him again, and then you actually get a feel for what this character is. They do such a good job of fleshing these characters out in these episodes. So, um, they have to get this stuff to the Imperial base. Um, They get there, and it's like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. The one thing that I did not like about this episode, I understand why they did it, was the fact that Din took his helmet off in this room full of people in the computer. Now, I know he did that because he cares about the kids so much that he's willing to do anything to save this kid but i didn't like it because later on well and it it's 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 less about that but i think it's it's leading to an erosion of his hardcore beliefs is he is seeing other mandalorians and realizing that how he has been raised is not the only way and coming more 
flexible in his belief. Yeah, this is the way. I, it's not necessarily I, the way. I understand that. I, I, I'm totally cool with that. Again, this is a minor gripe. This isn't something that's going to kill the series for me. But the reason why I didn't like it in that show is because later on, when it happens again, I think it took away from that effect. I thought yeah, it would have been more I, impactful. I agree. I 100% agree. Like, So we'll yeah. get to that when that comes. But... um. The guy, again, who, again, another situation where you have a guy that's one of the Imperials, the head Imperial. Um, again, this is somebody who, this is another character that's going to get blown away. Like the guy that's talking to him. Hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. What's your name? And they're having the conversation back and forth. And the guy eventually gets killed. This is another situation where it's like, all right, your character is only going to be in the show for maybe 10 minutes. He's not going to be on the show ever again. But the actor playing that character. But we really need you to hate, We really need the audience to hate you. Yeah. And it delivers. And um, who, who else? Again, this. Uh, so I watch. So this is one of the only shows. I'm going to get a little deep here. I mean, this is the one of the. My son, who is just turned 17 today, um, we don't watch a whole lot together. Like we, you know, we don't, we don't bond over a whole lot of things. This show has become our show. Mm-hmm. Like this show is a thing that him and I. He, you know, he actually comes out of the basement, like, you know, like a troll coming out from underneath the bridge mm-hmm. and will actually rejoin society for at least, you know, 50 minutes a, a week. And we will watch a show together. And it's a, it's, a, it's a really important for me to actually have something that we can bond over. And the fact that he much like, you know, he truly is the Padawan who has achieved master now because he's actually telling me he's telling me, dad, the Star Wars guy. The guy who brought him into this world to just for the sole purpose of learning Star Wars. I'm sure that was what you were telling about me. When you were fun little your wife too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're gonna make a Star Wars lover. Uh, he's telling me like little Easter eggs, like oh, because they mentioned the uh, I forgot the name on the top of my head, but the name of the mission that uh, Mayfield was on. He's like, oh, that's a callback from this video game, and he explained like made a, I had to do a quick pause, and he explained to me like, okay, what what is this mission inside and, and the video game it came from that's a really neat callback but yeah i had, I had, to, I had to add that to it well, operation cinder operation cinder more more little details that only only people like us are, are going to catch the other thing that was funny in there is there was a callback to indiana jones where din's on top of the ship shooting at people and the gun runs out of ammunition and then he just throws the gun at the guys people coming at him that was from indiana jones where indiana jones is like shooting everybody then he doesn't have any weapon guns so he, any ammo so he just throws the gun at the people um I, I think that's kind of a reach that's more of a trope of just cinema as a whole that that's something that existed before indiana jones that's pretty much all I got to say about it, though. For the most part, again, another fantastic episode where I never felt like I was watching a TV show. Of, of, of all of them, this was probably the closest one because of the whole trope of the truck can't go this fast and things are exploding everywhere. And it's like, all right, where are the TIE fighters to come and give these guys a hand? Or where's the support for these guys on speeder bikes and stuff? But whatever, we'll let it go because, hey, compared to what I've gotten before, I'll take this gladly, no problem. Um Again, the character development um, for side characters that, you know, we're not going to see them very often was great. My only real solid complaint was I didn't like the fact that he took his helmet off because it cheapened what happens later a little bit. I understand why. I get it. I just wish that they could have done something a little bit different, a little bit better, because I already got the the feeling of, okay, I'm taking off my helmet. I'm, I'm questionable about this. He had to do the take the helmet off to put the stormtrooper mask on to be able to drive the truck. And they kept making reference. Oh, come on, take the helmet off, take the helmet off, blah, 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 blah. So it kind of like, okay, we know this is coming. And I also know why they did that, because a lot of people that watch these shows, they have to be spoon-fed this stuff to be able to get the point of it. Not everybody 
and I'm not calling people stupid, maybe I am, but a lot of people aren't going to go, oh, okay, he's taking his helmet off. That's a lot of significance. So they had to play up the whole significance. Well, especially these days when people are, you know, half watching at best and looking at their phone and all that. So Exactly, exactly. So they kind of made the point, like, when he took his helmet off and put the Stormtrooper helmet on, it was like, all right, well, he did that. So that was probably a big thing right there. They could have probably just left it at that, and I would have been fine with that. But later on, when he takes his helmet off in the uh, in the cafeteria with the computer terminal sitting right there, it was like, at the time, at the time, I was like, okay, I understand. But it cheapened what happened later, in my opinion. And if I knew what was coming later, I would have been happier if he didn't take the helmet off. No, I, one thing that I would have been, I, I would have been happy to wait until the last episode to see him take his helmet off. I, I think, yeah, because then that scene would have been so. It was already impactful, but it would have been way more impactful. Yep. At that point, if he did that, it would have had so much more gravitas to it. I mean, again, I, I, I agree. I also get why they did it, because they, like you said, they asked the audience to gotta show, OK, here is him saying that this kid is more important than my oath. Like, OK, that's that's important. It's it's meaningful. I get it. But like you said, I, I agree totally. Um, yeah. Um, One thing oh, I would like to add, though, is I think that this might be the at least the first time that mainstream audiences by mainstream audiences i'm talking just the people who concentrate on the main nine films never watched the clone wars never read the books never played the video games or anything like that but i think that this might be the first time that they've ever actually had the imperial troopers stormtroopers clone troopers you know anything that is hiding behind a mask i think it may be the first time that they've actually humanized them as... yes actually I've, I've heard people make comments about this too like when you see them cheering when the when the uh, trucks show up like you're showing them on break and stuff like yeah you, you don't get to see that much you don't get a lot of moments where the where it shows like no these actually are people they're um, there aren't they a have... lot of scenes from the death star coffee coffee room and there should have been there should have well, been not only that but i mean uh when Two weeks from retirement, huh? Well, once I finish this job, I get to go to the beach. But no, when Bill Burr is sitting down and he's talking about Operation Cinder, you're realizing that the people he's talking about had lives. They had families. They had relationships with each other. And here's this fucker sitting across the table from me who just casually ordered their deaths. You know? Oh, Oh, um, go ahead. Finish. But there's one Uh, more thing uh, I wanted to say about this episode. Yeah, I got one but, thing. No, I mean, this was the first time that, you know, they were more than just – I mean, it's like uh, that joke that uh, Rick and Morty uh, had last season where they were having Star Wars deaths where they were just mindless fodder that they died on screen. You didn't feel bad about it because, you know, they're just, you know, faceless uh, drones. Yeah. I thought that was really clever. Um, When they're deciding – who amongst the little group is going to go on the mission. Yes into the imperial base mm. and it's like they they kind of look at boba and at this point um they'll recognize my face most people most people uh, i think din and uh the ming na wen are the only people who have seen both without his mask off who know that he is the progenitor of all clones so he's like yeah, I have a face they'll recognize. It took me a repeat viewing to to get that joke, but when I did, I it yeah. made me chuckle. Yeah, it's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> By the way, uh, he actually he himself is a clone yeah. though, because his dad was the original, yeah, which is touched on in the very next episode. Um, I really love the fact that for the most part, with 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 a couple minor scenes where he's not with Mando, Din Djarin, I like the fact that both keeps his helmet on all the time. Because it feel it feels like he's almost doing it to like 
out of respect for Dinger. Oh, and and we get to, yeah, and we, in this episode we get to see that in between the last episode and this episode he restores <laughs> he, his armor. Yeah, he actually gets a shit cleaned up, which I thought was great too. Because like, of course he would. Why wouldn't he? And, yeah. and, and, like immediately, I'm like, oh, that looks a little, something looks off about that. Oh, yeah. Why wouldn't he give it a paint job? Why wouldn't he fix it up a little bit? Buff out the uh, the gunshot wound to the crotch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. All right. Um, so my only complaint, uh, aside from Rose, which I which I do mirror, um, I, minor complaint. This is a silly thing to complain about. I do love what they do with Mayfield. I thought it makes sense. Okay, they they humanized him. They gave him kind of a redemption moment, and who knows, maybe he'll come back again in season three and maybe be an ally. But I have a minor issue. This is a trope that I that goes way back to like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, the CW shows did this a lot too. They take a character. They introduce a character as a villain, and he's a good villain. You like him as a villain. He's a bastard character, but he's very charismatic, and the fans like him. So what ends up happening is they have to take this character. Well, the fans like him. We want to keep this character around, so we got to take him and make him a good guy. We got to give him a redemption of some kind. We got to make him an ally of some kind. I, it's a minor trope that really bugged me a little bit because I liked Bill Burr's character a lot from season one. I'm glad they brought him back. But much like how I was expecting Boba Fett to have a quick heel turn, I thought, well, Bill Burr's character, you know, Mayfield will come back because he's going he's gonna to betray Mando at some point. And he doesn't. He actually, he gets a nice little right off the sunset moment in the end, which is good. I liked it. But looking back at it, like, why do they got to keep doing this? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, and they kind of foreshadow it. When we first meet his character, it's they introduce him. He's an ex-imperial or sharpshooter yep. and he is very adamant like i was never a stormtrooper i was never a stormtrooper like he distance his he wants to distance himself from being that he was in the empire it's like he's a he's a sharpshooter wasn't he wasn't part of the atrocities like he he even then he hints that he doesn't define himself that that's what he was. Yeah, they make he makes repeated reference to that. Right, and I, I, I get it. See, I always thought the you know the thing where he distances himself from being a stormtrooper was more like an arrogant thing. Like, no, I can shoot. And I mean, I mean, yeah, it's like, oh, he actually can shoot or hit. What yeah, he's I'm not a stormtrooper. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. <laughs> All right, that's. But you know, that's my only. Uh, after watching Rogue One, we know that stormtroopers can actually hit people. Well, and yep. the truck, he makes a point to uh, Mando. He's like, we all believe what we believe based on how we are raised and the point of views that we take, which is an important speech because it's one of those things that seeds into Mando's mind. Am I wrong about what I'm doing? You know, is what I believe wrong? That That's... When he's talking to him on the truck, he goes, come on, take your helmet off. You can take your helmet off. And then he says, you know, you believe what you believe because you were raised to believe that way. But there are, I can't remember what the exact wording was, but it begins to put that seed, which was already there. You know, you knew that was coming. Um, but it further puts that seed into, into Mando's head. Like, am I, am I, the, is this right? Is what I'm doing right? Am I, should I be this way? Am I, am I actually doing, is this, is this the way, you know? And that was part of his character, Bill Burr's character development. So um, 
I understand what you're saying about the tropes. I most of the time would agree with it, but they did a really good job of making it work in this episode by giving him the backstory and giving him a reason to do what he's doing. He's not necessarily a good guy or a bad guy. He's just a guy trying to get by. But, you know, he's one of those people that suffered because of what happened and he was forced to do this. So it wasn't like they made him a good guy just for the sake to make him a good guy. They didn't necessarily, I don't think they necessarily made him a good guy. I think he was somebody that was just getting his, right. his just rewards or his due at the end. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe he'll come back in season three as an enemy again. Um, what one, probably one of the greatest moments of this episode, though, is the very end where Ma- the Mandalorian uh, sends oh. Gideon the transmission and it yeah. paraphrases the same speech that Gideon kind of gives to Mando in the season finale of the first season, which I didn't even catch right away. Like it took me a minute to realize, realize the significance of what he says. Like he's, Here's the fuck. I'm glad you brought that up since we've got a little bit of time. This is what made piss me off about that. It's like, all right, you know, somebody just took, took off an Imperial base. You know that they know where your location is. And now Mando is sending you a message saying, Hey, it's the Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm coming for you kind of thing. You know? So you would think that Gideon, and be like, you know what? Maybe we should get our shit and get the fuck out of here, you know? Because <laughs> he knows where we Maybe are. That, but, but, but it's also arrogance. Maybe he's thinking, no, I got a freaking legion of dark troopers. What's this one lone Mandalorian going to do against me? I would think that as well, but they show his face and he's like, oh, you know, he's got that look on his face, which didn't mirror that kind of an attitude. Um If we know anything about uh, Gina Carlo Esposito as a, if he is in your... If he is the villain in your show, your bad guy or your good guys are kind of fucked. Um, Usually. <laughs> it, yeah. it, so uh, we'll roll into chapter 16, The Rescue. Yeah. Din uh, gets the gang back together to take back Grogu, for, Grogu from Moff Gideon. Things don't quite go as planned, and they get by with a little help from a new friend. So... Um, we open this episode with the scene Roe was alluding to when he was talking about last episode. Uh, Slave One is chasing a Lambda shuttle, and they dock to it. It has the geneticist who we meet in the first season. And the pilot of the Lambda shuttle is holding him at gunpoint. We're both an agents of and shield. <laughs> I, was, I, was try, I was trying to remember where did I see that guy from? Like I saw him recently. And he was just, I couldn't figure it out, but you're right. Yeah, he was he was like the main bad guy the final season. Thank you for finally putting that to rest for me. Um, but he's like, yeah, he goes through, he uh, he in, antagonizes Cara Dune because he sees her Alderaan tattoo. He goes on and on about how millions of people died on the Death Star and uh, destroying Alderaan was worth it to kill terrorists and just like, we're going back to to what I said about the hardcore believer, true believers of the empire is what we're seeing are the people who are left in the Imperial remnant. And then, you know, somebody blows his face off and that's the end of him. Yeah. I, I, I think I want to sleep with Cara dude, just based on the fact of how badass she is. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like she is, I, I will say this for another thing for Mandalorian, the female characters in that show, 
I'm coming from a male, of course, so I probably don't know what this is, but that is how that is how you do powerful female characters. You know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's something that, like, after watching this episode, after it sunk in, I saw people com- people comparing like the four female characters raiding the ship compared to like uh, uh, the more like in your face moment at the end of uh, Avengers. Um, and, and, and yeah, they're and not maybe- shoehorned in. I didn't, it didn't even occur to me. Like, no, I no, never. I was no, just about to say the it exact didn't even occur thing. to me. Well, I guess they were all four women. Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. all women. Aside from Mando, like it wasn't all women. Yeah, I, I didn't like, see I, I guess women. I just saw badasses. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't look at, and then you real, and that's how, in my opinion, that's how it should be. Then you realize later, like, wait a minute, these are all chicks. You know, it's never like it's like. Look, these are chicks, and they're badasses. Go on it's about like, no. how powerful and, and like how great they are as characters, and then you call them chicks. Way to go! <laughs> hey, hey, these broads could do. Just so you know what though? Want, all right. I just said I want to sleep with one of them based on how badass they are. Okay, <laughs> come on, let's be real. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean that that and that it really is how female characters should be done. Like none of they're all they're all very different females. They're all very different type of characters. But like that's one of the problems I had with Captain Marvel. I didn't like Captain Marvel and it wasn't because she was a chick. It was just poorly done. Like I liked the first Wonder Woman movie. I I didn't like the second Wonder Woman movie, but I still like the character as Wonder Woman because that is how female characters in my opinion should be done they're strong they're not bitches they have weakness they have a background to them they like the scene where she shoots the guy on the shuttle you know like you can see like when he says i was on the death star and she goes which one which is a running trope i'm glad they paid tribute to that running trope over the years um but she you know like you could see her getting broken up and she's done that so her character's done that several times in the show she's having a hard time dealing with leaving the army and her her planet getting blown up and she lost everything so she has weakness she's she's a very cool character she has her high points and her low points but at, at no point do i ever look at this show and go oh yeah she's just she's just a chick and blah blah, blah or whatever you know like I, I respect the female characters in the show for what they are and like it didn't even occur to me like they were going when they were walking across the walkway with the stormtroopers and stuff and they, they bump in and the two uh, Mandalorians the Katie sack off the other one jump off and then they come back later through the bottom or what have you like these these girls are just going through kicking ass destroying everything like she even has a part where she's sitting there playing with her gun and the gun's all messed up and they've got the little banner back and forth do you need some help with that she's like no I got it blah 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 and then she just drops it on the ground and then she, yeah she just goes up and starts clubbing them like yeah. smacks it on the ground and now it works and it's like okay there's the little dialogue between them and shit like that and it was just very very cool now to briefly sidetrack before we forget about it when they go into the bar where boba fett goes in the bar and they have the whole confrontation the menu on the wall actually those people have translated those those are real food items and some of those food items are apparently available at the star wars theme park apparently one of them is space waffles (laughs) I love the fact that even in a galaxy far, far away, they have product yes. placement. Um, yeah. But the fact that they put that much detail into just actually spelling what those things were on the wall. And I guess some of that food's popped up in other things and other things as well, too. It's uh, like uh, the space waffles are a legitimate thing that showed up in Star Wars Rebels, I believe it was, um, where they're sitting there eating there and somebody's got like waffles on their plate in the cartoon or something like that. Um, again, another great attention to small detail. Like, cause you know what now, whatever time, whenever, whenever that, uh, what's that, what's that writing called? I can't remember what the hell it's called now. It's slipping in my mind. Arubish. Yeah. Whenever that writing pops up, it's like when Boba Fett brought that up on his arm, you brought that up earlier. You just know there's an army of geeks out there like that. They're like, what's that say? I got to translate what this says, you know? So 
But as, as a devotee of the old Star Wars West End game system, uh, role playing game, like they have the whole alphabet in several of the books, so you can write in write in uh, the language and whatever. So yeah, I if I had if I had the free time or the desire, I could totally be one of those people. Exactly. Um, so that was that was also very cool. Then they get into the we've totally skipped over the whole bar fight scene where they go into the conversation about how she says, I've heard your voice a thousand times before because he's a clone, you know, and she and he right. says, yeah, my father. And she goes, you mean you mean your donor? And then he finally confesses up and he says, I never said I was a Mandalorian. So it's like, oh, well, Boba Fett's not actually a Mandalorian, but he follows the Mandalorian creed you know, for a higher calling or whatever, even though he's not actually a Mandalorian, he's Mandalorian by birth, but he's not Mandalorian. It created an interesting little dichotomy there. And the little, well, and, and I love his comeback when he's like, he's like, keep play, keep at this. And mine will be the last voice. Yeah. And then he calls her princess, yeah. you know, which was kind of a double call out. It was kind of a call out to princess Leia from star Wars, the banter there, but she also is kind of a princess. So, well, we also get, we also can see uh, Sasha Banks doing some like wrestling shit. I was going to say one of the coolest things was seeing Sasha Banks, a pro wrestler, throwing Boba Fett down with a swinging DDT. That was pretty badass. Yep, that was that that needed, that needed to be. They both pull out their flamethrowers, like the, their moves and stuff, like their their combat moves were very meant. Like they both pull out their flamethrowers and shoot each other at the same time. They react like they have similar training. Like when they're fighting, you can see. And a lower level, like okay, these both people, these both were both trained this way to react in a certain way and do whatever. And when they brought flamethrowers and they shot each other at the same time with the flamethrowers and shit, it was like, oh, that that's cool. And it goes back to again, you know, Boba Fett being trained and brought up in that lifestyle, so he still has it warriorness ingrained into him. So the whole bar scene was was really really cool. Then you get to see her ship off in the background with the wings aimed up in the air from the Star Wars Rebels cartoon. It was still her ship. Um. Yeah, so it's again so many so many little things. Now let's now let's fast forward to where we were talking about earlier. Where they go on, they get the group together, they go into the ship. Now the shuttlecraft crashing into the bay of the spaceship. Call back to Battlestar Galactica. Did anybody caught that? Because she did that. Katie Sackoff did the same thing in Battlestar Galactica, where she crashed the ship into the Galactica. No, no one else caught that. No, no I've never saw an episode of that. I've a handful of episodes, but I don't remember that one. Specifically. It was exactly what she did in Battlestar Galactica. She had to crash a ship onto the Battlestar Galactica, and she fucked up everything in the process of doing it. You know, I thought that was cool. Um, it's gonna. So, so I want to take a moment to say one thing right here. I had alluded to in one of our earlier conversations something about um, attention to detail and what what they were putting into all these episodes. Um, Moff Gideon's light cruiser. Is a practical model, um, because I'm on a lot of modeling groups. There, like, there are people who have still shot this, and the way there aren't perfectly straight lines on it. Um, there are little subtle curves to it that, if you've ever worked with styrene plastic, you will instantly see that. Oh yeah, like you won't get those perfect ninety degree angles, and the way certain things don't mash up mesh up or aren't perfectly symmetrical like everybody who's one of the every, everybody who's into modeling will tell you that is a physical model so imagine that the uh, us talking about like how much money they're putting into these episodes to build that physical model for maybe one shot or one well, sequence in this episode they're, they're, uh, 
they're, they're going to be reusing it because I got a feeling that ship's going to be a big part of season three. Oh yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. We'll get but to. they still had to justify its budget into this season, and I, I, I am a total slut for practical models. I mean, my love of Star Wars comes from the scenes of the X wings and the Y wings fighting on, or like doing the trench run on the Death Star. Um, the reason I have no love for the original trilogy is because it's just nothing feels physically real in those movies. Everything feels computer generated. You mean the prequels? I was going to say the original the, trilogy? Yeah. No, the prequels, sorry. Yeah. Or Well, now the original trilogy since they fucked it up, but well, that that's a whole nother argument. But I, I do love me some practical models. Yeah, they've, I've, I've really got a lot of respect to the fact that they went back and started doing that again as well. Which I am, which one of the things I am super interested to know is if they got the original Slave One model from Lucasfilm to use this, or if they're working on other, working off other assets, or is Slave One only a digital model? But I'd be very interested to know if Lucasfilm gave them the, because Lucasfilm still has all that stuff. They, they, I would, I would say yes. I would say they did. Well, because Lucas, Lucas is often on set for the Mandalorian. Did yeah, you know that? yeah, yeah. He yeah. was actually there. They, they've shown footage of like him standing next to um, Ahsoka Tano. Like they actually, he was on set for that. Well, it, but that's the thing is, Lucas doesn't own those anymore. Those were essentially assets of Lucasfilm. And when he sold Lucasfilm, he sold all that. So all the prop warehouses, everything from the original movies, that <laughs> the, the, the detail that these guys are doing, I got to believe they're probably using the original models. Oh yeah. But I will say one thing about Lucas. Um, this, I feel that Lucas is in the spot where he needs to be now. Like Lucas, like we've had this discussion before several times on your show, and I believe I've had it with John on our show, where Lucas, the original Star Wars movies were great because he had people to tell him no. When the prequels came out, nobody was going to tell Lucas no. But Lucas created this world. It's his world. He's really good at building these worlds. He's really good at creating stories. But he's not in a position where he should be the sole guy calling the shots. So now yeah. that Lucas is... like. He, he works great like Steve Jobs worked great. Yes, exactly. Jobs was the guy who came up with the ideas, and then he went to the smart people and said, do it. Yeah. And that's why this is working. It's because Lucasfilm is saying, okay, do this, and Robert Rodriguez, John Farva, Dave Fellini, they're all going, okay, that's a good idea. We're going to take that idea and fit it into the framework of what we want to do with this. Yeah, so they go to Lucas and they say, George, how? what do you think about this? And George will say, well, this should be this way or this should be that way. And again, Lucas Lucas advises, tells people, yeah, this is what it, this is the way this should be. And then he stays out of the way and he lets the people do what they need to do. And th this is why Rogue One worked so well, because he kind of did the same thing on Rogue One, whereas with the last three Star Wars movies, Lucas wasn't really involved in those at all. Whereas Rogue One, they didn't really care because it was a one-off. So they were like, yeah, whatever, go ahead and make this movie. It's a one-off. We don't, you know, we don't have a big deal. And Lucas would come in and say, well, I like that, change that. And the, the director would be like, okay, yeah, let's do that. So Lucas serving as an advisor, like you can really tell that Lucas is there involved in this because you can feel it in the story. Yeah. But Lucas shouldn't direct anymore. Right? It's not, you know, he's he really needs to serve as he's the godfather. Yeah. And that's that's the that's a the producer. Play a him. producer and, is a advice. And leave. He, he's getting the best of both worlds 
where mm-hmm. let's say he's an advisor on season four and God forbid it is just an absolute train wreck just kills all the goodwill that was built up over uh, these last couple seasons. He can say, hey, it wasn't me. That was John Favreau. That was Dave Filoni. I, I didn't have anything to do with that. I don't think that's going to happen, though, because I'm just saying if it happens, I, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying if it happens, he's at arm's length. He doesn't have to face the scorn of the fans that he did back in the you know early you don't 2000s. Have to have the people versus George Lucas, the sequel. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I tend to wonder now that this has happened, and I've I've said this a few times too. Like, and you guys are going to disagree with me, and that's fine. I'm not here to argue it with you. But after watching these two seasons of The Mandalorian, I actually dislike the last three movies even more because it's been like we had to watch those movies when you guys could have done this the whole time. So I wonder because I don't I don't hold any of those movies against Abrams or any of those people. From what I understand, all of those directors all had a different vision and then Disney came in and said no, change this, do that. Like the last movie, they actually had like Matt Smith was supposed to be in it. They filmed all this stuff and they didn't use any oh, of it. Oh my god, the if so, like I I've said this on our podcast, but the original screenplay for what um Oh, the uh what yeah, was episode it, uh, 9 the... The Duel oh, of the, the Fates. Uh, Duel of the Fates, wasn't it? Yeah. It was originally supposed to be called Episode 9, Duel of the Fates. And I forget who wrote the script for it. but Colin Trevorrow. Script, yeah, Colin Trevorrow wrote the script. There is, um, uh, like, production artwork for it. There is the, the original script, and it is so good. Oh, my God. Which... And honestly, that's it's also making me wonder whether or not they actually did have a plan for how to get to A to Z before they even shot one frame. But they oh, changed not. course after people were, you know, throwing their babies out with the water. Well, the big problem was Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> it is squarely on I her. Think, I think it wasn't necessarily her as much as it was just, oh, shit, we just invested $4 billion and we're facing all this backlash. Change gears. Yeah. I don't think it was one person. I think it was them as a business. It was Disney came in and said, we want these movies to appeal to the broadest audience possible. And the Colin Trevorrow scripts goes to some pretty dark places. Oh, yeah. Like, there is a scene with the lightsaber scene. Yeah, where, where Can- Captain Phasma is on a stage in front of a giant scene of citizenry and somebody's about to get a lightsaber guillotine. Yeah. I, I think Disney took a look at that. It was like, Hmm, we could do this or we could have a scene with the heroes riding space horses on the side of a starship. And we can that's make Reddit feel better. That we need to happen. But I wonder how much of the stuff that was there. And then Disney came along and changed it because Kathleen Kennedy specifically said in an interview, very specifically, that she didn't want to use too much of the old Star Wars because she felt that it would have made Star Wars look weak and it would have made them look like they weren't capable of making a Star Wars movie completely on their own. So what we got was all of these movies of, I hate to put it this way, this is very general, and but we got to watch these movies where our childhood was basically killed in front of us. And they tried drilling that in here, let the past go, let the past die. They put that in the actual promos of Kylo Ren saying that. Like, you don't tell the fans that have been here all this time, you know what, we're doing it this way, let that go, this is how it's going to be now. It's an insult to people. You know, and I get it, yes, there's fans that like the new trilogy and stuff like that, but, like... 
this episode right here, this uh, specifically this episode right here proved all of the fans and everybody, everybody, like when, when Luke Skywalker walks in, because we're going to get to that. Okay, so, so now after half an hour, we're finally getting back to the episode. Yes, we're getting back to it. <laughs> but this, the, what my point is, is that this episode, more so than anything, proves more than anything in the world, like this is where you guys fucked up. And this is where this show is achieving where those movies did, did not. Like we all wanted to see. I, I would also argue that see. this episode proves that there is no satisfying to the majority of Star Wars fans. I think it did I'm, I'm enough. No, because you had a lot of people bitching and moaning about the CGI. You had people bitching and moaning yeah, that you know Luke wouldn't have done this. You had people bitching and moaning. Let's, let's deal with the elephant in the room because yeah. we have you know. Let's get right to that moment when you know all shit looks like is going bad. We saw Din Djarin, you know, barely scrape out a victory in a one-on-one fight against a dart trooper. And now we have a whole freaking legion of them coming at them. And it's, it's and that moment pissed. where, yeah, and it looks, it's that all all hope is lost moment. Okay, hold, hold on. Before we get to this, there's there's another important plot point we we can't glance over. Oh, Yeah, so it, as soon as they get on the ship, Katie Stackoff, uh, Bo-Katan is like, nobody, like she calls dibs. On Moth. Mm-hmm. And she's like, nobody fights him but me. Well, of course, he's waiting with the child because he knows that's where Mando it, er, is coming. And then we finally get to see the fight between him and uh, Moff Gideon and Mando, Darksaber versus Beskar Steel. Let me cut staff. you off for one second. That was my prediction. One of my predictions came but, true. The, I said that fight was coming. In all fairness, though, I think that was that was probably one of the most obvious things. Like when he gets the spear, I Jake, I don't fuck think you for stealing my thunder. You're an asshole. Continue on. I, I, <laughs> I'm just saying, who didn't see that coming? Is all I'm saying. Anyways, it's continue. Like, yeah, like, like we all saw that coming, like an oncoming train. Screw all you guys! Uh, but, I felt important, and you just you just belittled me and took away my nerd boner. Thank I, you very just, much. <laughs> you know what? No fairness, Tom didn't see it coming. Beer still sucks. Tom, 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 admit it. You did not see that coming. You never thought that when he got the spear, he was going to use it against Darth Vader, right? I completely forgot about the spear. Okay, good <laughs> enough. Didn't even good enough. Think about it. So, but so now. Is was Moff Gideon's choice to fight Din conscious because, like, you see, there's the point where he loses the dark saber, and is he doing this knowing that if Din gets the dark saber, Katie Sta- or Bo-Katan can't have it? I say yes because he specifically says, "Oh, you're letting me live. This is going to be interesting." Yeah, like they walk on, and he's like, "Are you going to kill him now?" Here's the problem with that scene. In the original Rebels cartoon, they hand it to Katie Sackhoff's yes. character. She says, here, I don't want I, it. I, you got it. So she didn't fight to get the saber in the first place, and now she's got to fight it like it's an Elder One from Harry Potter? I think the only like uh, the only reason why that still works is because Satine did not earn it either. Satine, Satine literally went to like uh, Darth Maul's house or, or cave where he was living in it, and Dathomir finds it and takes it. She does not fight to earn it. And I, and I think, think that was this loophole for that. And they, they will say that the reason she lost it, the reason she was not able to use it to unite Mandalore when Bo-Katan got it in Rebels was because she didn't take it in combat. She didn't honor the legacy of it. 
She just had it. And that's why it failed her that she needed it to unite the Mandalores, but she had to get it in the I traditional think way. Fix that. I think because so far, if this series has done anything, it has gone back and explained the plot holes that existed beforehand. Yeah. So I have faith that they will that given time, I'm, I'm not going to go crazy about it. I'm just going to see what happens. And I, but I think they're finally going to explain. And it might be, John, you might be right. I never thought of it that way. So, but I think they'll explain that later. Because I think the more uh, the more interesting plot development would be for him to lead because he's never been a leader before. He's been a loner. The more interesting character arc would be if Katie Stackoff recognizes that maybe he is a better leader than her. Or she at some point gets killed off and he right. has to, you know, and, and he because he can literally become the Mandalore, like actually right. from the you know history of the Mandalorians. Because my uh, my prediction for next season is we're going to see a focus on the fight between the Mandalores and the Imperial Remnants. I think yeah. we're finally going to get to see Ma- them go to Mandalore. And I think he's going to have to choose, does he want to be the lone wanderer or does he want to be part of the cause? Does he I want think, to- I think the, I think the retaking of Mandalore is going to be both season two and, or season three and four, much yeah. like, yeah, much, much like how the first, you know, basically this, this episode ends a two season arc. Yeah, you know, I think I think we're gonna get another like two season arc. You know, we, we might even they even might they they even might uh, even though I was just you know praising early on the numbering of this how it was chapter sixteen with this episode. Yeah, I but can these, almost have these be the first book and then the next book. Yeah, is yeah. I can see them renumbering it and be like, no, we're gonna do another long like two season arc of them. Well, I, I guess Giancarlo Esposito has flat out said that they have plans for at least another two seasons after this. So I could see, I could see this being a two season. This is going to be, in my opinion, Marvel. Disney has already followed the formula with Marvel, where all of these movies that they had done all tied together to Avengers Endgame, and I think they're going to do the same thing with Star Wars, where all of these separate shows are all telling a grander story, and it's all going to culminate. I think that the whole taking of Mandalore, that's going to be the Star Wars Endgame, where that's going to be the end story for this. You know, that's all. You've got these other shows. Oh, you mean like like when they the Disney had a big old Marvel style reveal of all their upcoming movie or of all the coming things that they're going to do, kind of like Marvel used to do. But most of these shows, or a lot of them, are going to tie into like the Ahsoka. The Ahsoka show is obviously going to tie in. That's going to tell. Yeah, them. I think I think three of the spinoff, three three of all the stuff that they mentioned, were all are all taking place in this timeline. Okay, before we, before we go to the spinoffs, let's let's yes, wrap up let's, this let's wrap up let's wrap this up we're, we're getting to the two best things of this episode. Yes, so, so we finally get to see Luke be the badass we all wanted him to be. So, uh, so when when okay, so I got I got to ask you guys a question. So when when they say okay, you know, beep, 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 you know, incoming, and they say oh, it's a it's next wing. Everyone, I'm assuming, had a similar thought. No. Yeah, no. that's exactly what I was, uh, yeah. No, no, because I, I, I thought, no, what they're going to do is they're going to make us think it's Luke, and then it's going to be someone else. And then, of course, and then to follow that belief, 
we see a guy in a hood come in. Like, okay, yep, it looks you like it's Luke. No, no, they're not going to give me what I want because Jake never gets what he wants. They're going to tease it. They're going to make it. They're going to make me think, oh, it's Luke, it's Luke, it's Luke, and they pull the hood off and it's fucking Jar Jar Binks or something stupid like that. Misa, save you. Like they're gonna, they're gonna Lisa, pull your call. They're gonna pull the rug out from under me and take this away. They're not gonna actually give me the the what I want. But then when they actually do it, they show this badass hallway scene. Which yes, I'm, I'm sure we've all seen the side by sides of Rogue One and how beautiful oh. this. Oh yeah, so good. But then the reveal. And it's actually fucking Luke Skywalker, and it's and they did the whole they did, yeah, it's a CGI thing. Yeah, part you know some people are debating oh it should have been a different actor. You know, I was well, I was hoping for Sebastian Stan. Like I yeah, was, Sebastian I was thinking, Stan looks so close, it's uncanny. And, and and the thing that kept hanging over my head, the reason why I kept thinking it could be Sebastian Stan, because when they were filming this was about the same time that they were filming Winter Soldier and Falcon, Falcon Soldier, which yeah. is also a Disney show, which may have even been filmed on the same lot. I don't know like where they filmed this stuff at, but it could have even been filmed the same thing. It would not have been a big deal for like, hey, 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 Sebastian Stan, can you just come over here for the day and do this, you know, one fucking yeah. scene? And I feel like he's the kind of person who would be like, yeah, sure, I can kill a day. And him, and, well, Mark Hamill himself said, yeah, use him. He looks like yeah. me. Yeah, so. yeah. It, it was a blessing of Mark Hamill. But yeah, mm-hmm. we get to see, and, they, and it turns out they brought Mark Hamill in. Had him, you know, they did the whole de-aging thing, which I'm not going to debate over the quality of it. I thought it looked fucking awesome. There are, okay. yeah, there are people out there who are saying it's not perfect. You know what? I think It isn't perfect. It's think- not going to ever be perfect but this is you know compared i don't want to say well it's a tv show no fuck that look at movies we can't do it perfect even like even with the money you know rogue one i had had two cgi things with both with uh uh, um, grand moff tarkin and with leia at the end spoiler i thought Uh, i thought the tarkin one looked damn close yeah yeah did it look a little off yeah was it a little uncanny valley sure but my god the guy's been dead for how many years and they brought him back and here's my thing when you saw grand moff tarkin you knew it was grand moff tarkin they didn't say his name when you see luke skywalker that you did he didn't have to say his name you knew 100 percent that was luke skywalker and that's that I, I had to get on my my tirade about the people bitching about that. Well, here's here's my stance on the whole uh, deep fake uh, thing. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> yeah. It, God damn it, Star Wars first, fans! Can you just special enjoy effects shit? Special can, can Star Wars fans just let us have something nice? Yeah. yeah. Can you just enjoy shit? Can you just shut your mouth and enjoy shit? Let us enjoy this. No. They made a 60-year-old man look like he's like 25. Can you can you just accept it? So, when the X-wing when the X-wing shows up, I I was I was like, okay, it's uh, Luke Skywalker's going to be here. The only thing that was going through my head was is it going to actually be Mark Hamill reverse aged or is it going to be is it going to be Sebastian Stan? Because we all heard the talk about Sebastian Stan. I'm like, "Oh my god, they actually did." Yeah. And so, you know, like everybody else, I'm jumping up and down in my seat. Me and my wife were like, holy shit. Oh, my God. Like, we had the same reaction everybody else did. Um, mm-hmm. So when they actually came to the reveal and it pulled off the hood and it was de-aged Mark Hamill, I wasn't happy about it. But it did not in any way ruin the episode. Again, I was just happy that I got it. I would have I would have been cool if they had Sebastian Stan. But I said, you know what? I, I don't like it, but I'm not going to bitch. I'm just glad I got this. This is... 
this is going back to what I said earlier. We had to watch our childhood, all these characters get killed off. We all wanted to see badass Luke Skywalker. Even if it was old badass Luke Skywalker, we just wanted to see Luke Skywalker be a badass in some way, shape, or form, and we really didn't get that. Here, we got it. I kind of wanted to see the yeah. character grow. Yeah, exactly. That, too. So even though before before he's a disheveled, broken old man in uh, the last. Then again, that could have been that could have been an opportunity for character growth. There's a lot of things, but that's over and done with. You know, that's past. So even though it was Luke Skywalker, it was the de-aged Luke Skywalker. I wasn't super happy about it, but it did not in any way break the deal for me. I was still super happy that they that they gave us what we wanted. It's like it's like Jake said, is like, are they going to do this or not? But. I was like, well, is it actually going to be Mark Hamill or is it going to be somebody else playing the part of Luke Skywalker? Even if it was, which I, I kind of wish it was, but either way, I was still happy that I got all of that. I got that payoff. Yeah, and the thing is, there's nothing stopping them from if they want to have if they want to bring uh, Luke Skywalker in either season three of Mandalorian or any of the other like four or five shows that take place in the timeline. They could still recast. You know, yeah, they could. You know, they brought and, in Mark Hamill to kind of solidify the character, but they don't have to keep doing that. They, could, they if they want to have this character show up again, they can. Well, plus they know the fans. The they know the fans are cool with Sebastian Stan playing the part. Yeah. So they know that's they already have Sebastian Stan in their camp. They know that that people like me and everybody else would have been totally cool with it being him. You know, we just wanted to see. Luke Skywalker coming in and kicking ass and and being the goat, you know, the greatest of all time. We all wanted to see, and we got it. That was the super payoff. And then the icing on the cake was yes. the next reveal. You know, I don't want to whoever wants to take the next one. Hold on, because th- there's one other thing I want to hit on was the fact that Grogu seems hesitant to go with Luke Skywalker until yes. he sees R two D two, and then you realize yep. that. Grogu may have seen R two D two before. He probably did. Yeah. Yes. And the and the temple. Correct. Not only that, but R two acted like he recognized Grogu. Right. See, I didn't get that. I I, I got more of a. Truth, I got more of a. The Star Wars franchise. Yeah. The truth. The truth of the Star Wars franchise is that R two D two is the baddest ass character of all time, and he is the one that exists through all timelines. Mm-hmm. Yep. Unscathed, un unmemory wiped, and everything. Yep. Um, and then we got the point where you know Grogu take he takes his mask off, and you have the callback to Return of the Jedi where Darth Vader's taking his mask off and seeing Luke Skywalker. You know they're seeing each other for the first time, and this goes back with to their uh, own eyes yeah, with their own eyes. Yeah, and it, th- that's it. Bummed me out. Their own brown eyes with the whole like oh he already took his mask off though, so it would have been so much more more powerful. If he hadn't taken his mask off in front of anybody till that point right there, so he could see, like, for lack of a better term, his son, you know, they could see each other for the very first time, you know, his actual face and stuff. So that was that was huge. You know, that whole that whole last 10 minutes, five minutes of the show was it was just like when you watch the video, like I, I thought it was like when you see Kevin Smith talking with tears in his eyes, talking about like, oh, Kevin Smith's crying. All right, whatever. And then you see it and you're like, OK, I get it now. And there's videos everywhere of people's reactions to that scene, you know, and, and so many people are crying and everything. And it's like, oh, oh, my wife, I, I, I hope she doesn't hear me <laughs> say this, let alone hear it on uh, her own radio. But when we were watching this, I was getting choked up. She was bawling. And it was the good kind of cry because it's the kind of cry that you want to get at 
from your movies. That means that you're that emotionally invested. Like none of the last movies mm-hmm. did that. The closest I got to getting choked up was seeing Carrie Fisher in the last movie because you know that she we lost our princess. She died in real life. So th- in fact, today is four. It was four years yep. ago today we lost Space Mom. Yes. Yep. So that I mean, but that wasn't that wasn't an intentional to jerk your tear kind of scene. Whereas this one, it was like this this scene was written to have. It was written to have the reaction that it did, and it succeeded in so many ways. So I still would have had the same reaction if it was if it was Sebastian Stan playing Luke Skywalker, because obviously you know Luke Skywalker can't play that part or whatever. But you know, either way, if they'd have put fake fake Mark Hamill in there or, or, or even, Sebastian Stan, or even a different actor, you know, honestly, yes, Sebastian Stan it wouldn't be the perfect one. But even if they yeah. chose a different actor that could still pull it apart, it still would have had that impact. Ruined, yeah, I would have had. I don't think it would have ruined the scene for me. I was very glad that I, I will take whatever I get from this show because very little about this show has ruined has been bad for me. There's little moments that we're nitpicking, but we all love this show. Oh yeah. But it's also it's also nice that it's also nice that they actually brought in you know the fact that Mark Hamill can say yeah I was in the Mandalorian like not the character yeah. was I physically was yeah in the it show. was physically him yeah you know they they kind of did him dirty in the last couple of movies you know he he's very openly expressed his disdain for what happened uh, in the last no movies. no he, he hey he, I like Grumpy old watch Jedi those unedited after. interviews trust me. Mm. That's debatable on that. I don't. I, I love but that. I don't know. But that is a tale for a different time. <laughs> well, I didn't mark. I didn't mind Grumpy Jedi Master either. I didn't. That was character development. I just wish they would have expanded on that a little bit more and done more with that. You know, it would have. I don't know. Now, so now, here's the question here that everybody asks. Okay, Grogu's going with Mark Hamill. Does Grogu die on that base? Which no. I don't. Th- no, I don't. I don't think, think so I don't either. Think he's going to be at the <laughs> temple that long there's a very simple thing that we have to all remember yes this is star wars but more importantly this is disney and disney is not dumb disney is a billion dollar company because they love money and grogu makes them money lots of money as long as grogu is still producing money i got a feeling there's going to be a lot more grogu to come like and for the fact that yeah like like someone i heard a couple say well it's a shame that you know he's not going to be in season three like we don't know that you actually yeah we don't know that might not we we don't know be really cool with it if he isn't i know that's probably the unpopular storyline storyline wise yes part of me said okay take him completely out of the story and then like fast forward yeah fast forward like yeah do a time jump and have a moment where uh Din Jaren is in a similar situation where he's about to get killed, and then like Jedi Padawan Grogu shows up and saves the day. Like, you know, and then says like, only thing he says is like, you know, the way this is, or something like yeah. that. Just, yeah, you, you can have that moment it would be awesome, but I don't see it happening. I, yeah, I, I, as cool as that would be, I think we're gonna see within the next six to eight months, we're gonna start seeing some more Grogu stuff. I'm not saying he's gonna get a spinoff. I don't think so. I don't think we're going to hear anything more about this because we're not getting another season of Mandalorian until 2022. So I think that's true. It's not, and it's not like, well, the actor was found on set. No, yeah. you know, he's still a puppet. Exactly. Plus the other thing is they could very easily do a time jump. The same they did between empire strikes back and return of the Jedi. So, mm-hmm. which is actually what they should do because that would give Grogu time to go off and get training and advance and do whatever. And other things could have happened or, yeah, the, the time jump makes the best possible decision. But if they didn't have him in the next season, I wouldn't be brokenhearted about it because when they do bring him back, you'll be like, okay, we haven't seen Grogu in a long time. What's Grogu look like now? I was going to say, there's a lot more on that plate besides just what's going on with exactly. Grogu. Exactly. Right. So if right. they didn't have him in the next scene, 
because we know he's coming back. That that little puppet makes them a lot of fucking money. I mean, people love that little puppet. Oh my god! So on a completely unrelated note, uh, if any of you follow Robert Rodriguez on yes, Twitter, yes, I was going to mention that the video of him jamming out on his acoustic yes. guitar and yes. the little puppet. That is the most. That was good stuff. Oh, that's yep. so good. Now, real quick, that actually kind of ties to something I wanted to bring up uh, about this episode. One of the things that impressed me the absolute most was how they're able to express and convey things without uttering a single word. Whether it's Moff Gideon having an expression of cockiness because he knows that his dark troopers are going to get through the door and all these assholes are going to be dying and then all of a sudden he sees that one X-Wing swoop down and yeah, his face tell he's just terrified. Drops. Or to the the puppetry of Grogu where he touches uh, Din Djarin's face and you could just see so much going on between those characters and not a single word is said for any Correct, of that. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. amazing. That's 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 what good writing does. <laughs> that's what happens when you pick the right people that really respect the material mm-hmm. and you let them do what they need to do and stay out of the way. You know, it's like. And on on a, a second side tangent, like after having watched half of Wonder Woman eighty eight, for the love of God, Pedro Pascal needs a mustache, like his facial hair. Without it, he just looks weird. Yeah, it was. I think that also had a lot to do with the shoulder pads and that big, you know, his hair looked like it was cotton candy made out of piss. <laughs> to oh, steal like Donald from, uh, Oh man, to steal a quote from Pendulum. Yeah, so uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's 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 what happens when you get the right people for the job, and you say, "All right, we're going to stand back, and we're going to make sure that you're not doing yeah. anything lewd or wrong or whatever." But you know, we're going let's let's see where this goes. So, yeah. And so this takes us to the post-credit scene. Yeah, post-credit scene, yes. And immediately, like, again, I watched it with my son, and we both looked at each other, because we thought the episode was done, you know, this, because they start, we, we're just bullshitting during the credits. And I make a comment that, oh, this is the first episode they don't they don't show the artist work. Like, yeah, in, at the end of every episode, they show, like, the... Uh, and that's the a concept for, art. The concept art, yeah. This one, they didn't show that, and all of a sudden, it's like, wait, what? Oh, there's more? Is that Charles Dallas? Is that... Is that- Bib for to, Bib Fortuna. Bib for fat ass now. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, this was it was just completely out of nowhere, and then we get to see Boba Fett like fucking like of course he would why wouldn't of course he would do something like this like the Bandit King. Yep, and we get we get the Book of Boba Fett. So who else thought when they first saw the Book of Boba Fett? Who else thought is this going to be season three? Like is like, I, I, I didn't. Well, I, thing, figured it was gonna, I figured it was going to be his own app, uh, his own thing. Because they, and, my first thought was they just admitted like three days ago or four days ago. I it was like they just announced all the spinoffs. There was no book of Boba Fett mentioned. They did that on purpose. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, yeah and also, they didn't mention in that thing that you don't see Mandalorian season three in that stuff that they announced. I think mm-hmm. they want to kind of wanted to kind of leave that clouded in shadow. Well, the thing like we've all heard the stories about how he the the the, the Pedro Pascal throwing fits on set about having to wear the helmet all the time, which was and, all which was all proven false. Like he's been very. I don't know though. He, I don't know. He, he's come out and said like he doesn't know where, it, where any of those rumors came from. Yeah, he himself has said 
I know I didn't never did that. that, nope. that never yeah, happened. but you also gotta wonder how much of that is spin because they've got a lot of money running on this thing now. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, the show is called The Mandalorian. It's not called the Din Djarin, you know, Baby Yoda show. So they could very easily be like, okay, well, now this, this it's about man, you know, Mandalorian. So it was like, okay, well, you got Boba Fett. They could just easily put him in there. You've also got, you know, you've got, uh, the, you've got Cara Dune and you've got all these other Mandalorian characters. It's like, all right, you could take these storylines and go in different directions. And they could very well just tell Pascal, hey, listen, play nice because we don't need you anymore. We've got lots of different avenues to go. We pretty much finished up your story arc for the most part. You got the kid where it was supposed to go. So you need to keep your ass in line. But that that was one of the thoughts that was running through my head. So I, when, I, when they said the book of Boba Fett, I was like, oh. Well, maybe he's not coming back, or or maybe he's not going to be back as as much because they they don't need him. They can put an actor inside that costume and just him do the voice, or have somebody that sounds like him do the voice or whatever. There's a lot of avenues they could have took. So I was like, yeah, this this might we this might be the future of the Mandalorian here. It might be Boba Fett, and it might be somebody else or something like that. But then they said, uh, no, the scheduling that it wouldn't work that way because Boba Fett is. There's their shooting schedules and stuff are different, so I think Boba Fett comes first, and then the Mandalorian will come after Boba Fett. Yeah, so they're starting. They will start production on the book of Boba Fett early this year, or this coming year. It will release at the Mandalorian's timeline, which would have been, which would have been we would have got season three in December of 2021. Well, instead, now we're going to get the Book of Boba Fett in December 2021, and season three of The Mandalorian will start production late 21. We'll get um, season three probably in mid-year 2022. Yeah, that's a, yeah it, something like that. Sh- shooting schedule-wise, that feels about right. And who else is thinking uh, they're going to bring back uh, Cobb Vanth for the, for the Boba Fett show? I, I feel like it seems like it's because it's it look, at the very least looks like it's going to take place at the start of it on Tatooine. The whole story could take place on Tatooine. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which the, fans, the fans, the fans would not mind seeing that character. Again. Well, it'd be smart for Disney to do that because again, they've stated that they want to keep, they want to recycle those sets. So they've used a lot of Tatooine. What else is taking place on Tatooine? The Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Mm-hmm. So, well, they don't actually, they don't, well, you, you, we've all seen the making of the show. They don't actually build like, a set location. It's all they. I thought they did build it for the uh, palace, where they oh. had all the details. Like even the little mobile that uh, Leia hit her head on on the way down the stairs is there. They wouldn't have built that if they didn't plan on reusing well, it at some point. They're obviously going to be reusing it in the yeah. show of Boba Fett. But the thing is, they could very easily have yeah. Obi Wan Kenobi for whatever reason be at Obi be at Boba uh, be at uh, I'm sorry, um, Jabba's palace because Jabba was still around back then. <laughs> Um, there's lots, Tatooine basically desert. So you can put, you can substitute pretty much any desert, but he could be going back to Maz Eisley. They've already got the Maz Eisley pretty much built, you know, for the most part, they've already got the cantina there. They've already got mm-hmm. all these sets that they could very easily recycle into Obi-Wan Kenobi and they can reuse them in Boba Fett as well. So it makes sense for Disney to do these two shows because it's within, it's with, it's within the budget constraints to be able to pull that kind of stuff off. God, what is it about Tatooine that's it like the most important planet in the freaking Star it has Wars a history. universe? It's cheap to it's cheap to film in a desert. <laughs> that again, it's 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 fan service to people like us. And 
I get so pissed off when people are like, oh, that movie was just fan service or that was just fan service. I'm like, yeah. Yes. I've said this a million goal. times. You I'm a fan the service. Fans. The fans yes. give you money. Yeah, yep. but service me well. You know, put some heart into it. Just don't go at it all limp-wristed. Are we talking you about know? the same stuff here? Or? Give me some satisfaction <laughs> with servicing. If you're going to give me an old-fashioned, at least put some, some heart into it. Exactly. So- Oh yeah, I uh, whatever. I, I'm I'm babbling at this point. <laughs> well, on on that note, I think we did an amazing review. One more question. Uh, one more question. One more question. One more question. That's it. You get one more. I'm gonna make it real real sweet. We can answer it real short and simple. The Lando show that's coming. Is it gonna be old man Lando or is it gonna be young Lando? And if it's young Lando, well, are they hopefully? Hopefully they have not- both. Yeah, both. I want to say, I want to see, I want to see old man Lando. You know, being, you know, sitting, you know, sitting around a card table. Let me tell you a story of when I was a boy. You know, kind of a thing, and then show the flashback of young Lando. Yeah, <laughs> old man Lando solve a mystery from his past in present day. You know, yeah. So they, yeah, there's they a lot have, of great things you can do with that. Yeah, th- that is one of the things in the release that they have not le- released any details of. It just was Lando show. Those releases were so vague, you know, which is good. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with getting just a just a little a little nibble, like just a basic idea of okay, we're gonna do this. We know that we know that Rogue Squadron is gonna be a live action movie, limited live action series. The Bad Batch is gonna be an animated series. We know Star Wars Visions is gonna be an anime style vignette series. Um, the Cassian Andor, we know that's live action. We know Obi-Wan Kenobi is a live action series, but literally zero has been said about Lando other than it is a series. We don't know if it's going to be animated. We don't know if it's going to be live action. We don't know if they're bringing back Donald Glover. We don't know if they're bringing back Billy D. Williams. They have just said we are doing Lando. a Lando <laughs> series. So they Isn't have- that all you need? Yeah. Yeah. For now, I'm good. I've lost... But if it's if it's animated, I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> My theory was like the way you could have done it was instead of making a sequel to Hans the Solo movie, you make a trilogy based around like the smugglers. So the first movie was the Han Solo movie. The second movie, you make a Lando movie where it's Lando needs to have the Falcon for a job, so he's got to hire Han Solo. And you start learning more about the Crimson Dawn. Then in the third movie, you make it a Boba Fett movie. So it's you finally understand why Boba Fett hates Han Solo so much. You, you can bring in the Battle of Tanab and find out what uh, Lando did there to so impress the rebels to make him a general. I, for one, would, I'm kind of hoping they bring back the the kid who played young Han in the solo movie for the Boba show, because I wouldn't mind seeing Boba Fett being like, all right, so he's settling debts. You know, he's you know, he's he's building up his rep again. I wouldn't mind seeing him taking another go or at least resolving maybe maybe resolving their issues. But bring, you know, bring that kid back. I thought he did a fine job. It wasn't a great. Oh, yeah. Movie, thought, um, yeah. As I say, am I, am I the only person that didn't mind? Oh, so no, long? Because everybody I hated that. Movie. I didn't. I, liked I, it. I didn't. I didn't hate I didn't it. Love it. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think Tom and I are did it was okay, but I'd see another one. Oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I would love to yeah. see another one. I would too. I would. T- I would like to see. Like I honestly, and again, this might be a little controversial. I'm okay with recasting the entire Star yeah. Wars characters. You know, not saying we do a rebooted movie, but you know, it, it, you got James Bond this shit at some point. As, yeah, as long do. as they can convincingly 
play the character and you aren't looking at it kind of like uh, when you're going from, uh, say, Michael Keaton to Val Kilmer. It's like, are these even the same characters? I, you yeah. can't have that. Yeah, it's okay that they don't yeah. look identical. That's fine. Excellent, not, you can't reference. always get people to look identical, but as long as they play the character, as long exactly. as they, you know, and I felt that the kid that they got to play young Han, he felt like Han. He felt like yeah. a young, inexperienced Han. He, he he was the same character to me. As, although Donald Glover, I think, did a immensely gr- better job at it. Yeah. So what you have to understand is that when Billy D. Williams was asked to come back to be Lando for the the Rise of the Skywalker, he didn't study his work in Return of the or of the Empire Strikes Back. He studied Donald Glover's performance in Solo to learn how to be Lando again. That's cool. Basically, <laughs> he he's letting the kid do all the research is what you're yeah. saying. Yep. Um. I'm interested for the Rogue Squadron movie because, like, that is some of my favorite of the old yes. fan yeah, that, canon. That, um, that whole promo really got me excited. Right. But the they're going like just like they did with uh, Solo, they're going to have to find somebody to play Wedge Antilles, which isn't a big deal because there's like wedges on screen for I think ten minutes in the entire trilogy, but. I mean, yeah, they're, they're going to have to find somebody to play a young and virile Wedge Antilles and, you know, some of the other Rogue Squadron guys. And this might finally get to see Corrin Horn make the jump from Legends to official canon and other things. I think we're going to see a lot. I think we're, we're going we're to see a lot of, like, characters from the books come over. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's, that's one thing I am the most excited about of the new stuff is like I am nerd creaming my pants about a live action Rogue Squadron movie. All right, guys, I uh, I think we're good. I'm you done. Know, I think, I think <laughs> yeah, the two and a half hours. hours. Yeah, I think I yeah. think we're yeah, good. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. fun. Uh, great review. Really love this. Uh, my final thoughts is this was this was a great season. I loved every. I love every part of it. It didn't even feel like a second season. This felt like a continuation of the first season, which like which is what I want in a show like this. Uh, can't wait to see where the story goes. I I loved it. Absolutely loved this. Uh, I guess I'll go next. Um, this is the Star Wars that I want. This is the start. These are the droids that I'm looking for. This is I want from. I want all of my Star Wars to be this way. From here on, I want I want I want these shows to kick my ass. I want to watch Star Wars and walk away from it, even if it's not that great of an episode. Walk away, still going, man, I still love Star Wars. You know, I don't want to. I want to have the feeling that I did when I walked out of the last three movies, going, man, wow. You know, like even the episodes that were just filler episodes, it's all done so well, and th- I want more. You know, if, if this is the future of Star Wars and this is what Disney's going to do, I'm here. You got me. I'm good. Let's go. So. Yeah, I, you know, what else can I say? Uh, as far as myself, there were two things that I really liked uh, about this season. And one of them, Jake, uh, kind of ha- had the exact same thing, where he and his son don't have a lot in common. My wife and I, I wouldn't say that we don't have a lot in common, but we do definitely have very different tastes when it comes to entertainment. And so when I have something that she looks forward to maybe more than I do if that's possible I I love that I get to have that on a weekly basis at least for once a year uh, and, 
And other than that, the thing that I really enjoyed about this season is I like the idea of this big, sprawling epic. I like the idea of this story just being a huge canvas that is... Like Marvel. Kind of, kind of <laughs> like Marvel, but I was thinking just like a series of, you know, different stories. And I love the fact that this scene in particular gave us so much connective tissue to things that... You know, we were kind of left scratching our head with where it's like, okay, are they ever going to even mention, uh, you know, the things that, you know, took place in the prequels? Are we going to see how, you know, the First Order came about? And the answer is, yeah, they are definitely going to start stitching everything together. And I I just really get a kick out of that from a fan's point of view. May I expound on it a little bit? Um, Sure. This is one of the things that really speaks volumes about this show, the writing and what they put into it. You have somebody like my my wife who doesn't know what the Darksaber is. She doesn't know who, you know, Katie Sackhoff's character is. There's all these things that people like us are going to get, but the show is written so well that if you're somebody who hasn't watched the cartoons, and my wife's never going to, that... You know, she's not if she didn't if she sees Ahsoka, she doesn't know who Ahsoka is, but it doesn't matter. She knows she's an important character. She knows that there's something mm-hmm. else going on there. So even if somebody didn't know this stuff, they could still watch The Mandalorian from beginning to end up to this point right now and not really be that lost. You know, it's kind of like if you don't know yeah, the, a lot of the backstory of some of this stuff, it wouldn't matter. This show does a great job to appeal into all because again, I, I mentioned watching my son, but my wife is there too. And my wife is really getting into it. And, and, and uh, it's kind of funny. Like, I, I give her shit because she, she grew up in a different kind of household than I grew up in. And she will talk during the show sometimes. Oh, God, no. And, <laughs> but this one, she doesn't. This one, she respects it enough where she, she's pretty quiet yeah, during the yeah. whole thing. All, all I know is that. Uh... That last episode has one of my. It gave me one of my all-time favorite geek memories, where my wife's sitting on the couch, just sobbing, just <laughs> just bawling her eyes out, screaming at the television, "Give him the ball! Let him have the ball! Give him the ball!" <laughs> oh, God bless her! You know, <laughs> John, you're up. Uh, so my final thoughts are: um, I am very excited to see that this has proven a model that is viable for the Star Wars future. It is hard to put the future of Star Wars into just making movies. Uh, George Lucas was very, very much against the idea of anything Star Wars related on TV. There had been uh, dozens of aborted attempts to make Star Wars television shows George Lucas made sure it never happened. It was never something he wanted. But this has proven that this is a viable medium. This is a model that people will accept and actually enriches the universe of Star Wars and still makes a profitable endeavor. And that's, I think, what Star Wars needed more than anything else. Star Wars needed a way to be a way for a way Star no, Wars Star Wars <laughs> needed to be a way for Disney to make money on it without everybody getting jumping down Disney's throat and getting pissed because Disney is very much beholden to public opinion about Disney and the vocal minority made it very clear that they didn't like those three movies but Disney shoveled a ton of money into those movies and as I've said before, 
this is a exponential smaller budget the like what they're making this show for but it is generating more hype than the last three movies made so we are so disney is seeing that hey this is drawing more eyes to star wars this is going to make people go out and buy merchandise this is going to make people want to go to the star wars land at disney park this is going to make people want to spend money on Star Wars, so we're going to go with it. And they have pivoted within two years their entire plans for the Star Wars universe towards this model. In their, And that's fine. Well, they're also retconning behind the scenes. They're, they're kind of retconning the well, last it, three it's not so much. I, I, don't, for the I don't think they're doing that. Uh, um, I was going to say, no, if anything, they're yeah. establishing the ties even stronger. Yeah, it's, like, like, like this whole subplot with Grogu yeah. and, and this cloning project, I think that this whole like story is is they're 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 explaining you know where the emperor 2.0 comes from or where and they're also uh, showing how the first order kind of rose from the ashes of the defeated empire so i, what, I wouldn't say that they're retcon- yeah. retconning out of continuity they're strengthening <laughs> i that don't continuity. think i wouldn't say they're retconning what i would say is they are enriching in the gaps. period between they are which, which is yeah. actually uh, one thing i one thing I wanted to mention was so we've all at some point seen the Clone Wars cartoon. Tom's only kind of partway through it, but we've all seen. It. Yeah, I, I was argue, actually glad you mentioned this because I I, was I, I argue that the Clone Wars cartoon and Rebels to some extent all make the prequels better. Like the prequels, yeah, we all have complaints. Yes, I was going to say that, but I, like they actually gave me a reason to go back and rewatch. Well, except for, I'm, there's no way they're going to watch episode one. But yeah, it, does, it doesn't necessarily make the prequels amazing, but it makes them a little better. I'm a little disappointed. That with all of the with all the spinoffs and all the shows and movies are coming out, I was hoping they were going to do something with the sequel series, like some sort of an in between show. Or maybe wait, a, I'd say wait on that. Yeah, because... maybe, maybe I just gotta be patient. But I was hoping for yeah, something. They need they need the taste of it to go away. For, like the, because when when the prequels came out, everybody we all everybody hated them and blah blah blah. These these this show made those prequels. And all of that stuff became relevant again. Because now I'm going to go back and rewatch Attack of the Clones. I already went back and watched Revenge of the Sith, and I've updated my opinion to say, okay, maybe this wasn't as bad as I thought it was because the lightsaber duels were the best Star Wars lightsaber oh, duels. I, I, I can't disagree with you. I think all the, but, the, if you put all the nine movies together, the best lightsaber duels are from the prequels. And John brings up a decent point about the way Disney works is Disney is, I will say this for Disney, is very good at course correcting when they go, okay, we messed up on this, we need to fix this now. You saw it happen in Marvel with Iron Man 3, how much everybody hated it. And then after that, it was kind of barely mentioned ever again. It was it was referenced, but it wasn't, you know, that I think it was referenced, but it wasn't like a major plot point in the movie. They didn't want to like poke it into people's heads that didn't like it. But it's there, so they can't get rid of it. And... As much as I didn't like the last three movies that were released, I don't think they should retcon them out of existence. Everybody's like, well, we need to make these non-canon. No, the, the idea of decanonize. Whether you like them or not, they're, they're part it, of the world It's now. been done before. It's we stupid. did decanonize uh, the Caravan Ridge and Battle for Endor. The books. <laughs> oh, there, yeah, yeah, but... there, there's a deep cut to Star Wars history there. Now, 
I'm ex- at some point or another, I'm wondering. You know what? If they're referencing the, the holiday Anyways, special, they so. gotta reference the Ewok movies. I don't know. Part of me really wants to see like I, I want to see a moment in one of these pre, in one of these shows. Maybe not Mandalorian. Maybe we see it in one of the other ones. I kind of want to see just an Ewok. I'm not saying it has to be a main character. I'm not saying it needs to be like, you know, Baby Yoda 2.0, but I want to see an Ewok. Just throw me a fucking Ewok. Even if it's like like a stuffed Ewok in the background. Part of me just wants to see Okay, so so I got a deep cut to some some lore. Go ahead. There was a series of books written about about Rogue Squadron. Then there was a follow-up series written about another X-Wing Squadron called Wraith Squadron. And in that series... They're trying to uh, infiltrate one of the Imperial warlords, and to do so, they make up a false character of one of their pilots is a genetically enhanced Ewok. And so to make the Imperials think that there really is a genetically engineered Ewok piloting one of the fighters, they dress Wedge Antilles in a black flight suit, and he has a stuffed Ewok strapped to the front of him while he's piloting the ship. Okay, that's funny. <laughs> so, <laughs> the last thing that I want to see, I want to see lots of Bothans dying. Like, I want to see the best. <laughs> like, like Rogue One, I want to see the backstory to how those plans got into their hands because she says, you know, there, there was a tremendous sacrifice. I want to yeah. see that sacrifice. Yeah, for, the, for the second Death Star, yeah. Yeah, I want to see, so, see a lot of Bothans dying. <laughs> so I'm done. So uh, I'm, I'm going to, but just to finish up what I was saying is like, we have in two years seen them go from everything Star Wars in the future is got to be a trilogy of movies. We gotta yeah. have the Ryan Johnson trilogy. Yeah. We've gotta we, have we, a trilogy. We need to break that. We need to break. We need to break that need for trilogies. Yeah. Yes, a trilogy is cool and all that. And yes, Star Wars really, really hammered that through. Like that was their thing of trilogies. But right. we can we can do just a movie. Yeah, and if and it's now, really cool, you do look, a sequel. You look. You look at their announcement from their press conference from their investors. Ryan there's anywhere. There is well, no. There's only one movie in that. Everything else in that is a series. There is the only one of them that has been set out set as a, going to be a movie is Rogue Squadron. Yeah. Everything else is series. That's so they have fine. pivoted to this is the model we're going to tell Star Wars stories until the Rogue really, until the Rogue Squadron movie comes out and hopefully is a huge success. Then they might pivot back, or maybe they maybe they just need to find that. No, they've they've already said that they're, that's going to be a series of three in, movies. In all, fair, in all fairness, not to poo poo anything but how much of that is them shifting their storytelling uh ideas as much as it's shifting due to the realities that let's face it movie theaters are hurting right now yeah and that that makes a good point as well is we don't know if once we get on the other side of the covid vaccine if movies are still going to be a movie theaters are still going to be a thing there okay okay okay. stop right now stop right now because That'll start a big conversation with Tom. <laughs> Tom and I have been going back and forth on this for 10 years. Yeah, we got to end this. <laughs> okay. Yeah, all it's right. late. It's late, guys. This was good. We'll, we'll let's, have let's... the crossover sequel where we talk about that. All right. But, take us yeah, on. I, I'm, I'm excited for this, the future of Star Wars with Disney, whereas yeah. I wasn't four years ago. Yeah. Uh, now, when we're now, when... now we have we have hope. Yeah, we have a new hope. A new hope. <laughs> we have a new hope. Well, <laughs> all right. So let's go ahead and take this on home. 
if you want to get in touch with Jake and myself, it's pretty simple. You can find us, believe it or not, even though I'm hardly on it. You can still find us on Twitter at the Drunken Dork. Uh, our group over on Facebook, on the other hand, has started to get uh, a lot more active in recent days. Uh, that's going to be Jake and Tom Conquer the group over uh, on Facebook, as well as uh, it seems like I'm always posting some kind of smart-ass meme on uh, another certain page. Uh, but we'll get to that page in just a bit. Jake, where can people find you? Same place they can find you. I'm pretty much on uh, Jake and Tom Conquer the Girl group. Um, I'm on there quite often. Uh, checking stuff, commenting on stuff, posting stuff periodically. Maybe not as often as I should, but I'm there. More and importantly, can... uh, John and Roe, where can folks find you at now? Well, you can find me. I was going to say, uh, John, you can find me ahead. pretty much everywhere as John Patrick MCP on uh, at Gmail, uh, at Instagram, and you can find the Old Nerds Drinking uh, Facebook group. We're real active. Come for the podcast. Stay for the memes. It's uh, a, a real great group of people. Uh, you know what? I, I am very, very happy with the Old Nerds Drinking page, how how that's come along, because we're getting people from your show, and then both myself and John, we're getting people that we have no idea where they're coming from. I'd be like, John, who's this person? I don't know. I thought you knew him. I don't know who this person is. I thought you knew him. <laughs> and I don't know where these people are coming from. I, maybe they're coming from your show. Um we, we keep getting, like, one random international listener. Mm -hmm. Like, one week it was Australia, one week it was Poland. I don't know if it's a VPN person, but, you know, I, I like to think that there's just that one person in Poland who found us really cool. I know that feeling. <laughs> um, I guess it's my turn. You can find me on my show, Project Archivist. Um, you can find, if you found this podcast, if you found O&D, you probably already, everybody here probably already knows who I am anyways before this came along. And uh, besides running my own show, um, I'm also very active on the O&D. I don't do too much on O&D except for show up to John's house and try to derail a show that he busts his ass every week to put out. So, um, you know, I... Every other, every, every other, other week. week. That's right. Um, it's funny because like John will be like, I'm very much. I like I like the flow of natural conversation to happen that way. Where John's very much a stringent, like he notes in a schedule, and he gets really pissed off. He's like, I, I don't have a schedule. Yeah, but I have I'll be notes. Like, what are we talking about? And he's have, like, Hey, these are the things I want to talk about, and you're like, Fuck those yeah, notes. So you know, it's 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 kind of funny how how we work on the show, or but it, it's also cool because I get up and I and John takes over and. You know, it's his show and he puts his vision out there and he does what he does with it, um, which is a testament because, as I was saying, John likes things to be structured and I show up and I always fuck everything up. But somehow John still makes it work in the show. And it's a lot of fun to be able to go there and hear and do the geekery and stuff. But I do have the Fast Food Follies show coming up with you guys and probably another this year in Fecal Matters coming up pretty soon. So, you know, hopefully, uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be doing that again pretty, uh, pretty soon as much as or hopefully as fast as possible. So, um in all honesty, I I don't speak for the whole group, but I had an absolute fucking blast tonight. I hope we can do this on a somewhat oh, yeah, regular basis. I, More I crossovers for sure. All right, so again, I just want to say thank you to our guests, uh, John and Roe, for coming on. No, no problem. problem. All right, and uh, with you, you as guys are family, oh, and again with you as always is Tom Coe. and Jake Wilson. And remember, folks, you only have one liver. Ruin it well. End of line. Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! German? Forget it, he's rolling. It ain't over now. So, what's the plan? Take on 
Go to Mum's, kill Phil, Sorry. grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. Might as well write them off. Let's close up the bridge. Let's get out of here. Close it up. Lights out. Where are you headed, cowboy? Nowhere special. Nowhere special. I always wanted to go there. We're going streaky! Yeah! All right, move on. Nothing to see here. Please disperse.